Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency, while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high-quality, actionable insights and information on all things Layer 2s, Rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. Good morning, Roll Up Nation, and happy, happy 100th episode of the, well, I guess the DeFi by Design, DeFi Slate Roll Up podcast now. A uh, very exciting time for us. It's been a long journey in the DeFi world, um, and bringing back a, a previous guest um, in may, maybe in episode 50 or 60 um, to talk about some very interesting applications in DeFi, cross-chain zaps cross-chain world, uh, what's going on in the, in the, in the world of bridging um, and kind of how you guys can take ad- advantage of this information um, to get better rates, to have a better experience as a DeFi user, and some really interesting things that are happening in the background to abstract some of this complexity of DeFi away. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. And good morning, Rob. Happy 100th podcast. I like your polo, man. Looking fly. It's good to be back. Good morning. Yeah, happy 100th podcast. It's a pleasure, uh, Philip, to have you on, man. A lot has changed since you were on last time. Um, we, we can jump right into it. You know, we're going to talk about Series A. We're going to talk about integrations, uh, the the SDK, the software development kit that you guys are providing other protocols, um, and Jumper, which you know is, is totally new since uh, since you were on the uh, the podcast last time. So, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, we can jump right into it. You know, what, what are you most excited about uh, over at Leafy and Jumper right now? Guys, first of all, hi, and good to be back and happy 100th podcast. Congrats. I mean, you pulled through. Uh, that's, that, that took a lot of discipline and, uh, and following on to get that done. Congrats. Very nice. So what was the question again? <laughs> Cheers, man. Yeah, we're we're pretty stoked about the hundredth podcast too. We're gonna have a lot of a lot of uh, celebration along with it. So, uh, my question, you can tell we're excited. I'm curious, what are you most excited about when it comes to Jumper and Leafy? Oh, so much. Um, the team has been growing. We are above forty people now. Um, 
which is nice. Um, so we are finally at a point where the organization can grow and ship um, autonomously on, on any level. That's that's so nice. So I finally get to go back to the beginning and questioning, who are we? Where do we have to be? How do we get there? And um, that's what you do as a founder from day one, right? But then you get just busy with fundraising, executing, hiring, selling, and all that. Uh, and now two years later, we are at a point again where I can question the industry, the status quo of the industry and the status quo of our company. And I get back to doing research. I get back to um, um, thinking long-term uh, and I finally have some time until the next fundraise um, to uh, think about uh, how will a Series B look like, right? Um, and I'm excited about so many things that are going, like the amount of things we are shipping um, it's great to see the organization itself growth, like internally um, processes and, and, and all of that are finally coming into place. I'm also excited about the deals we are closing. Uh, we have some we have an amazing pipeline uh, ahead of us. Uh, so uh, that's, that's going to be exciting. It's going to drive revenue. Um, and you guys know how hard it is to be sustainable in this industry. It's always, it's often a race to the bottom and it's really hard to create sustainable businesses in general. So I'm, I'm really lucky to be in a position uh, that yeah, building something like that right now and, and finding that sustainability um, and, and a proper business model and all of that. Um, I'm also excited about um, what's happening in the industry. Intent-driven systems, account abstraction, shared sequencers, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Um, there's a lot happening. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I finally get to catch up with all of that. So excitement all awesome. over the place. Yeah. So before we, we really dive deep on where we are right now and where Leafy and Jumper is going, maybe you could give our audience like a quick summary as far as where leafy has been right uh over the last essentially since you've been on the podcast last which was uh, about a year to a year and a half ago what has happened in the last year that you'd like to share with our audience so leafy has found a degree of product maturity that you can implement it and it works and it 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 is it provides a great user experience it the api is is now fast. Um, a year ago, it was slow. It's simply because all these integrations, third-party integrations, um, come with a lot of overhead, and it took some refactoring here and there. Also, because like these infrastructural pieces, these cross-chain bridges, DEX, DEX aggregators, they are also reinventing themselves and change things and completely change protocols, reinvent themselves. Um, there's a lot of maintenance overhead, and uh, we uh, like that. A lot has happened under the hood and the overall developer experience has become so much better. Um, the way we can provide analytics, um, debugging options, the way the API talks to the developer, everything has changed and became so much better. Um, so th this is good. The company is much more stable. We closed a Series A um, beginning of this year, um, $17.5 million um, during the worst market conditions. Um, that was quite tough. I, I guess we're going to talk about that later on. Um, also, um, yeah, we are on around 20 networks. Um, Solana is coming soon. Bitcoin is coming soon. Uh, Cosmos is coming soon. So there's a lot happening. Um, and uh, we just um, allowed for... So we're always allowed for cross-chain contract calls. 
But now we uh, support direct zaps in a partnership with Wido, um, where we allow to yeah, cross-chain zap into anything um, or also on-chain zap into anything. So this is this is quite amazing. Um, and we aim to build this out more and more. There's so many players in this cross-chain zapping space by now. Um, also, that becomes um, uh, quite a challenge to oversee. And yeah, what and we we continue to see the interoperability space exploding on so many levels: cross-chain proofs, cross-chain messaging, uh, market maker-driven bridges, intent-driven uh, bridges, um, limit order-driven bridges. Uh, there's there's so much um, happening, and uh, um, it's we are specialized on this, and it's still hard for us to keep up with all these solutions and evaluate them and give them a fair chance, right? Um, it's very easy to say, ah, you're small. Um, I don't have time to look into it. But then on the other hand, uh, there's so much more technology coming out um, um, at a high quality. Uh, so yeah, a lot. Sorry. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, I've, I've recently felt a very similar um, vibe uh, from the overall uh, ecosystem of DeFi. Really, I, I thought that in in the previous kind of hype cycle, if you will, it, it, it was almost like DeFi wasn't exactly ready um, for for all the users and for all the activity. And I feel like not only from a uh, a scaling perspective, as far as layer twos and other alternative layer ones, uh, where users can find their home base, but also just from a, a, a tooling and a UI perspective, we're really, really getting quite a bit closer. And I think a great example there is that cross-chain Zap infrastructure that you speak of with um, in the recent partnership with Wido. Like, for example, I mean, doing anything cross-chain over the last couple of years, whether it just be bridging, has, has just been kind of, kind of, you know, a nightmare. Um, it's a, it's a gas do I have gas tokens there? Okay, which token do I need to bridge? Does this bridge even support it? Can I trust this bridge? Um, and, and so many of the bridging questions um, are starting to, to be answered, not only from a technical perspective, but also from a kind of a UI and user experience perspective. And that to me is the most bullish kind of thing happening um, as far as just teams building quality tech um, and being ready for, you know, kind of what's next. Um, and so I, I, I truly think that we're quite a bit closer than we've ever been as far as um, things like uh, creating the best user experience possible. And some, you know, you mentioned intent and account abstraction, and those, you know, those are just absolutely um, impeccably powerful for um, for user experience. The, the the idea of just wanting to do something and then having it be able to, you know, be processed on chain is like something that is almost unfathomable for us being kind of in the space on MetaMask for so long. And now it's, you know, it's coming. Um, yeah. Yeah, space is improving. Um, UX is becoming better. Websites becoming faster. Dapps becoming faster, more seamless. Account abstractions around the corner. We see many players going into that one. I mean, smart contract wallets have been around for quite some time, but they wasn't. They were not taken serious um, enough. And uh, now, with account abstraction, um, these projects um, become uh, much more uh, are getting much more um, attention. Um, that's also good to see. Uh, yeah. It's it's incredible how fast the space is moving, right? Like it's it's yeah they they are, we are overrunning each other like all the time. Uh, it's really hard for any um, top level application to catch up uh, with with all the developments and um, a, narr a narrative that that is just came out can be outdated a week later. It's crazy. Yeah, that is a really really crazy aspect because I mean I mean there's like. 
there's the kind of abstraction idea and there's kind of the StarkNet and their Cairo um, upgrade and languages and then these layer twos upgrade, like Optimism has just upgraded to Bedrock and there's Superchain. It's just like, there's, it, it does feel like there's a ton of news um, happening. And, you know, I feel like you guys have done a fantastic job of kind of getting out into the light with your, um, with your comms and marketing side, as well as just like really kind of being the backbone for a lot of these um, applications is is that kind of a big use case that you see for um, the SDK and just kind of your product and your business model, um, kind of being this backbone for a lot of these front-facing applications, wallets, dApps, um, kind of these users really have no idea that they're actually using um, the SDK and the tech that you have built, but that's kind of um, you know the 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 model of growth that you're expecting, or or is there something kind of different um, that you're leaning on? No. You know, being overwhelmed in this space is f totally normal. LeFi is focusing exactly on this, right? We are abstracting away complexity and progression. Like also that progression, you shouldn't have to take care of that. So there is there is a complexity to begin with, um, we abstract away. But then the, within that complexity, we progress in different directions on how things are done. Uh, and and we are taking care of evaluating these progressions and implementing them so that you don't have to, um, right? So that's why we always say it's a multi-chain DeFi middleware. Sometimes we are saying it's a multi-chain DeFi settlement layer. Sometimes it's it's a multi-chain DeFi liquidity layer. So they, you can it's it's really hard to find a messaging that fits all because it really depends on whom you're talking to and whom whom you want to address. And LeFi can be a lot in many different ways. That on the one hand gives us great opportunities to grow. Um, on the other hand, obviously, you know, uh, the best way to grow in general is to do one thing right for one target group and then you win in that niche and then you grow out of that target group or out of that niche into the next one, into the next market segment. And often you have been outpaced from a competitor that has simply done the same thing for another niche. Uh, so growing fast is super important for us. That's why we have done such an amount of marketing, uh, raised funds and, and all of this. It is... But, but but yeah, it's it's we have a very generalizable solution you can apply to so many use cases and so many target groups within the space and outside the space as well. Yeah, and I don't mean to steal the floor from from Rob, but taking this in a further kind of business perspective, you mentioned earlier on, um, uh, you know, kind of in in the same line of 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 this thought of of um, the kind of types of messaging and 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 the and the sophistication of a market of a, of a given niche really trying to kind of uh, be a dominant player in that niche kind of on that same line of thought you mentioned earlier about um, how it's tough to be a uh, to create a, a, a sustainable uh, overall product and business in this niche because of the tokens and the emissions and the kind of overall hype and the, and the types of products that exist and the market conditions and other various factors. But generally, you know, from a broad lens, what, what does a sustainable crypto business look like? You know, how does that, how does that work? And then more specifically, you know, what are you guys doing to try to achieve sustainability or, you know, what can you, what alpha can you share with us without giving away all the uh, jazz? I mean, you have to ask yourself the right questions, right? Are you riding a wave or are you solving a problem? And then is the problem you're solving big enough? And for whom are you solving the problem? And is that target group big enough 
again. So in order to need to in order to build a sustainable business, your problem has to be big enough so that other people save time. If they save time, they are willing to pay money in general. And uh, and then also like how long lasting is this problem? How fast will this problem go away? How how big is your um, how prone are you to disruption? Um, right, and that can happen to us as well, right? Like in, in in a perfect world where everything is intent based, who knows? Like, how do we have to position ourselves for that one? Do we have to be that intent based system? Um, will there be competing solutions? Can we that then abstract away and aggregate that again? There, there is a lot going on, um, also for us and. Uh, any business can be killed, but uh, you need to make sure that uh, that you position yourself in a um, you position. So there's one thing is solving a problem. That's how you start, right? And we Leafy did that well. We solved a problem. We still solve a problem, and we're going to solve that problem for the next three to five years at least. So for the next five years, we're good. We're good. We're going to see greater concepts that could endanger us, but we will also be able to pivot fast enough and adjust and, again, abstract away the complexity and enrich that then again with other things. So we can overcompensate potential. So just because we 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 the problem we solved in the beginning is not a problem anymore in five years from now doesn't mean that there is no... Uh, no right to exist anymore, right? Because until then we have earned a much B, not enough B two B relationships, and until then we have enough time to pivot and adjust um, to still be uh, the one that not only solves the problem but maybe enrich that solution with or other kinds of things that a potential client or an existing client needs down the line. So um, with Levi, we are super generalized uh positioned and and that gives us lots of freedom to evolve um that doesn't fit for everyone if you're building a DeFi protocol you simply might get disrupted i mean uniswap is evolving heavily with v1 2 3 v4 like also they managed to do it but if it is there's also this question are you so one one thing is like um is it is it is it a feature or a painkiller right this is also a question like are you just building a company around a, a feature or is it really a painkiller and then and yeah yeah and you you have to you ask yourself very traditional consultant ish questions um like Porter's five forces ask yourself like how does that look like for you, for your business, right? Um, there are lots of uh, tools um, you can use to question your business every day, uh, over and over again. But you have to yeah. be true to yourself. You have to be so honest to yourself. And sometimes that, that can make you really anxious. Also me. Yeah, because you're, you're faced with like the issues that you're trying to solve. And in the, these aren't issues that are going to be solved overnight. Um, and Leafy has championed itself yeah. on solving a very important issue, which is complexity, right? You guys, you guys are able to remove confusion in the space, right? And, and for so long, we've heard that UX complexity is what is holding us back from scaling to mass adoption, right? It's just too confusing for users who don't know how to navigate the internet, your grandmother to download a MetaMask, install a Chrome extension, go on Uniswap, cross-chain swaps, you know, even if there was a use case that applied uh, and, and provided her value. And now Leafy is able to come in and abstract away all that complexity and simplify DeFi so that it is consumable for the masses. I think eventually as we, as we kind of intersect 
finance, technology, traditional finance and decentralized finance, we will start to see these like these solutions that look like Venmo, Cash App, right, start to become the banks. And then we'll start to slowly like diffuse that technology so that it is consumable for the individual and ultimately have self-custody um, with a user experience that doesn't frighten people. And I think that is somewhat the direction that we're heading and Leafy is able to complement it. Um, and and it, it is a serious problem that you guys are you guys are solving, which is complexity in DeFi. I think I think that is a, a problem that is facing lots of protocols, and it can be a bit overwhelming at times for projects to to look at some of the most important critical issues in the space and try to take them on headstrong. Um, and kudos to you guys for for doing so. Um, I I'd like to. I'd like to somewhat switch gears, but also talk about what I think is a potential painkiller in the space. Um, and it's something that we've we've heard a lot about, and you guys are are taking it on in terms of cross-chain swaps. And and it's the idea of atomic swaps. And I'm curious from a from a technological point of view, this gets a little bit away from the business elements, but I, I'd like to revisit the raise and the business elements as well. I'm curious how you see the technology of atomic swaps. And is that different from, and we don't have to go too deep on it if it's not something that is, uh, is very core to Leafy, but I'm curious, is that, is that the functionality of cross-chain swaps? Is it, is it truly a decentralized swap between say Bitcoin and Ethereum? How, how does that middleware piece no. function? Well, we haven't found true atomic swaps in this space yet atomic and decentralized no we haven't we have managed to to do that yet as atomic as it can be in terms of like you can also roll it back um some projects are more decentralized and 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 on it like connects for example um but most bridging solutions are not there and um if by middleware you mean like the the man in the middle, the bridge still is as of today because most bridges are not decentralized. There is a man in the middle. You have trust assumptions. We have written a great piece of on 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 trust is a spectrum. That's how it's called. That's what you can Google. Trust is a spectrum. You find on our blog uh, where we dive into all these different types of um, of um, trust assumptions uh, we are facing when we are using bridges, bridging technologies, and uh, different concepts, different trade offs. It's always about trade-offs. Um, so uh, that true atomicity we are we are seeking is not there yet, and it's also okay, kind of like from a go-to-market perspective. Um, I sometimes even believe it might make more sense to start more centralized, get traction, and decentralize down the way. But it has to be number one priority as you find traction, and that's really tough, right? Because like you're optimizing then. So you start to centralized and then people are demanding more features um, suddenly. Um, so when, when does the point come where you stop delivering features and the one thing you focus on is decentralization. So it takes lots of discipline and also like um, the right sentiment in, in, in your own community to actually embrace decentralization and actually waiting for it. And just the pain of decentralization is often not big enough, despite those huge events we have seen last year, uh, where central instances within crypto have have caused the bear market, right? 
like what happened fdx 3ac celsius you name it and and huge bridge hacks um lots of them <laughs> so um still is centralization now important enough for us i don't know i just see this space moving on moving on moving on moving on um and we need we need these decentralization ultras that keep on pushing decentralization um and luckily we have such teams uh, again connects such a team that simply uh, continues to reinvent themselves um while keeping up their idealistic standards yeah and it, it does require shout out yeah to arjun they're good friends of ours uh we did a great podcast with connects just a few episodes back so definitely check that one out and it to your point it it takes lots of discipline um to not fall into that trap of decentralization because it's not right for every protocol. And and it's not the problem you guys are trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. For us, I mean, I mean, Lefi has smart contracts, which are obviously as decentralized as the chain are. We have to deploy a smart contract on each chain we are we are supporting. Um, but we have an off-chain component simply because computation is not where it is, where it, where it needs to be yet um, to decentralize it. Because it's not only about providing decentralized computing instances, it's also about the whole processes around this, like DevOps, continuous integration, CI/CD um, processes. You need to continuously ship new features in a, in a safe manner. All of that tooling is simply not there yet. Um, so uh, we rely on a centralized instance, um, but we are non-custodial. We never touch funds. Um, there's not that much harm that can be done. Um, so, um, and yeah. Yeah. We're working on verification mechanisms as well. Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premia, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. Well, what sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. Uh, feel free to check it out at premium.finance. Um, hedge your risks or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital efficient returns on premium finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently uh, on, been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plan of Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. Plan of Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Plan of Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Planet Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. Yeah. And you guys, 
the the primary um, bridges or, or or teams that you would use on jumper um, and just in general for uh, the cross chain swaps or, or the gas feature or um, where where users can use MoonPay to buy crypto using um, USD or euros. Um, would you say that those those main teams are Stargate and Connext for their quality of, of product and decentralization? Or um, kind of what's the what's the uh, backbone there and thought process there? Uh, are we talking about decentralization or? I think just overall, like if we were to say the the the, the top tier um, bridge technologies. Uh, I, I'm not even sure if I should talk about names in that context. To be honest, I think fair enough. Fair all enough. these different teams do different things. Like from an entrepreneurial perspective, from a purely entrepreneurial perspective, all these projects, Layer Zero, an Axelar, a Hyperlane, um, like from the A and B side, as well as the Connects as a hop, uh, they, they all have different strategies on how they want to be seen and on how to execute, right? Layer Zero and Axelar, they have such huge treasuries, they can reinvent themselves if they don't fall into that trap of spending and, and growing the organization too fast which is like if you have raised so much money you're keen to grow very fast um until you learn like the the, the magical man month you know um it's uh, the mythical man month like throwing more developers at something doesn't mean you're going to develop the software faster and in a, in a better quality um but that's certainly something that gives them a huge advantage. Then there's a connect that's very idealistic and, and they are really good at not not falling in love with their own ideas and simply starting from scratch, starting from scratch and and making sure they really live up to the Ethereum ethos. Hop managed to start very, very community driven, but they they kind of fail to see that it takes a larger team to strive in a very competitive market. Um, so I think this team is still super, super small. And I still believe um, that is something where they um, should have been, should have been more aggressive. Um, and and then there are, then there are smart strategies like Hyperlane. They're like, hey, let's not focus on what has been. So Hyperlane's bet is simply, let's connect the other hundred well-funded ecosystems to the rest of Ethereum and give them a chance to grow. So there's a lot of money uh, to be made from these ecosystems. Um, so, you know, it's just like uh, interoperability as a service concept. Uh, there's simply, you can simply plug in Hyperlane to your own ecosystem, no matter in which smart contract language it's written. That's kind of the idea. So they're going to expand to all these random ecosystems that haven't existed yet or haven't seen much traction yet. Um, and that can be uh, a, catal a growth catalyst for them on many levels, on the revenue side, as well as on the traction side. Um, you, you don't know, right? All these well-funded ecosystems, they also do business development and try to onboard new brands. Um, then, um, and then we see uh, people that have been growing strong based on their own token. Uh, let's talk Synapse. Synapse has built a, like they released token early and they have a very strong, almost chaining style community that is like evangelists, if, if you want, right? Um, they have the most amazing Telegram memes. <laughs> amazing. And, yeah, and, and, and they started very centralized. 
And now I think in the recent round, they uh, tried to sell a more decentralized future, but they got traction first. And now they aim to decentralize because they also learn, hey, we kind of have to, like long-term, we have to decentralize, right? Uh, and then um, then also comparing Axla and, but, but then again, if you go into detail and you compare all these approaches from Hyperlane, uh, Axla layer zero, it's all very opinionated and everything comes with then technological up and downsides. Um, it's a very interesting space. And it's yeah, really I don't hard mean to, to put you on the spot too much. It's, it's really hard to judge anyone. I, I can observe certain things from an entrepreneurial standpoint, like why did they do this that way and why do they do that that way? Um, I, can, I, can, I can read what they are doing, um, but it's, it's tough to judge. Yeah, most definitely. And I, and I think similarly to uh, the, blockchain, the blockchain trilemma, there's, there's a similar aspect to, to the bridging trilemma where there's certain teams that focus on, on different um, aspects of the experience to make that part better. Um, you know, and obviously with every pro there, there come cons and um, yeah, I just appreciate your, uh, your insight on those. And uh, it just continuously is seeming to me that kind of being this, like this infrastructure layer that, that you guys are building is just kind of like the winner takes all kind of layer. I mean, you, you can support all these different teams with, with different visions and different uh, protocols, applications, some might win big in which, you know, you will be supporting those that win big and some might not, you know, do as well and, you know, still kind of be able to, uh, you know, have your tech integrated and support. And, you know, with that kind of outlook in mind, it, it almost is like um, what you're building is like a, a venture capital firm by integrating your technology to all these different products and kind of some of them are going to work really well and some might and the ones that do work really well will kind of make up the majority of the volume um you know and it's just an interesting way to think about what you're building yes absolutely it's also uh yeah yeah it's also like a, a bet we are placing is that, for example, right now, all these most bridges have a focus on B2C, right? And, and their bet is, uh, <laughs> their bet essentially, uh, hey, uh, the DeFi power user uh, wave will, be, will survive long enough until we are fully vested and cashed out. That's their bet, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and, and we are saying, hey, like, the the mass adoption will not happen by power users. It will be like uh, the Robin Hood that will onboard users. So we need to position ourselves as a B two B. So that's our play. But fair enough. Like I like for me, I just want to build huge company. Like <laughs> it's just like all right, world domination. Like this is this is how I think about it, right? But that's what 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 is that? I don't know. Is that ego? Is that? Uh, um, but I can tell you for sure what it is. It, it is fun. It's it's fucking fun. Like I love building this company. I just want to see it grow. Like that's that's I source all my energy out of seeing out of watching that organization grow. Um, that's all I want. Um, yeah, yeah. Depends on what your mentality I, is. I can see how you. I I can see how you were able to raise seventeen million in the um, in the in, in the worst conditions seen since twenty eighteen here. <laughs> yeah, Philip. Like we obviously like can tell where you're going. It's world domination. Like let let's talk about the path. You know, like <laughs> let's talk about how you get to world domination. Um, good question. Yeah, I'm asking myself that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, for us, it 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 means 
addressing the right target group at the right time. Because as I mentioned, we have a generalized product that can evolve in many, many ways, which is good. But it also, it, it, it leaves lots of room for failure, right? Like if you have a generalized product that can go into many directions, you can quickly end up at a point where you're doing too much. And we had that fallacy uh, last year at some point. We were like, oh, fuck. We, okay, we cannot do all of that. So at some point we have to start thinking about, okay, is this some, for example, cross-chain zaps, for a long time, we thought we have to be the ones building that. We had a generalized cross-chain contract call capability already, but the last mile, who was doing that? And at the same time, we saw we saw Wido, Vala, we saw Portalfy, we saw all these different solutions coming up, building on cross-chain zaps or building on zaps. Um, so going out of anything into a certain deposit, for example, or staking or whatever. And yeah, at some point we realized, hey, we need to partner up here, and 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 so we are, so we have, we constantly have to remind ourselves to stay lean, and then making sure that we are solving uh, large enough problems um, for the right target group. And who is that? Right? Should we focus on banks right now? Not sure. Maybe it's on ramps, off ramps, and custodians first. And uh, and uh, and should we address trading desks? What's keeping trading desks from finding adoption? How far away are trading desks from finding adoption? Right? And then it comes down, suddenly it comes down to structural problems like liquidity debt um, because you can't trade with 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 uh, without price impact so there's a chicken egg problem there like how long will it take to resolve and then there is um uh, when we talk about trading we quickly come into into trading strategies so uh, which kind of um, so what are we talking about we're talking about limit orders stop loss orders um trading stop orders uh, twop orders um, so these traditional trading strategies all the trading desk business models are based on how available are there in the space right now? There are companies like Dexable, um, Skolem, um, CowSwap, uh, OneInch, uh, Fusion. Right? They they try to get into this stuff more. Um, so they are paving the way. Should be should we be that? When is the right point to aggregate these solutions? Will it drive more business or not? Um, so it's a lot about timing, timing, talking to the market, talking to potential target groups, and not falling in love with certain ideas again this is super important that's that's what has been killing past ventures it's just you fall in love with an idea and then you go with it for six months in six months in startup time six months in crypto is is a it's a death sentence it's a death sentence you have to be super careful yeah yeah there's something to be said about having the ability to pivot quickly to drop your ego and understand that there's a better path also comes from listening to people on your team who, um, you know, they're there for a reason, right? Like you brought them on, especially the early, um, the early team. And then obviously, uh, those who kind of vet, um, the, 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 the new hires, there's, you know, there's a reason why they're there listening to them, hearing teams perspective, as well as the, the community, um, and kind of understanding the best path forward and pivoting quickly, um, all traits of a successful, leader in, a, in a, a successful company. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And as we kind of come, come into the last couple of minutes here, I'd like to, to kind of touch gears briefly on the raise, um, briefly on what's coming up uh, for kind of roadmap items um, and then a couple uh, other types of questions. So um, yeah, I guess, 
you you have some experience with raising in the past, I think from previous ventures outside of crypto um, or at least a previous raise here. How did this one go? Um, you know, what can you what can you kind of share for some founders who either haven't raised or are going through a process now? Um, you know, what did you learn? Um, you know, those types of things. Yeah. I can constantly just change, just communicate the same learnings around fundraising. So all in all, how did that fundraise go? Good question. I started almost, so I started on the 26th of June last year. That's where I started the fundraise. And it's been incredibly tough. I, my old seat my seat lead investor one kx like they 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 joked philip or they just philip you exhausted the market like i spoke to everyone who does investments in crypto i spoke to 340 investors not joking 340 independent funds uh family offices multimillionaires whatever call it what you want um so there's been plenty of phone calls it has dried me out um I closed the round, I think, February 1st this year. So six, seven months of full-time fundraise. So first thing, it is a full-time thing. Always has been, which is only possible if you are bold enough to sell on whatever you have at that point. And you need the right partner that continues on shipping things. So in the pre-seed round, it was narrative. And I sold on story multi-chain. I did a, a, a seed extension, uh, which um, which was based on early traction and and and, and marketing traction. Um, and and uh, so when I raised my 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 pre-seed seed, essentially people were like, hey. Uh, not sure if the future is going to be multi-chain. So I had to convince people on, on, on multi-chain narrative and pe many people simply invested in me as a personality, I would say. All in all, I think from 160 investors we have on board, only three of them spoke to my co-founder ever. Um, so um, in the beginning, in early stages, it's always about founder personality. Um, don't want to put myself on a podest here, but, but, but you have to make sure that you are very certain about what you want to do if you're insecure in any way around what you're doing without acknowledging it like you can be unsure about certain things but you have to be you have to see this be like hey i'm going to figure that out later because i don't i didn't have time for that yet so but we need to focus on this now so again like i can acknowledge weaknesses um and justify them with a very bold behavior um, it's like if you behave in a bold way, but but not in a, in a, in a stubborn way, but in a, in a, hey, I'm determined this is the right thing to do at the right time, because that's all about being a founder is doing the right things at the right time. So you have to be able to communicate that to potential investors. And that's where many, like many, especially first time founders, you are, you, you carry around so many insecurities. That's why seed rounds are so fucking hard, especially if you're a first time founder. And then the series A, I mean, market conditions were bad. I was simply ignoring them. So my play with the series A was like, I don't care about the market conditions. I don't care, which is kind of stubborn behavior because like, obviously a piece, like the investors behind VCs become more conservative and they, they block investments then in the end, right? Um, th like that can happen. Um, but nevertheless, uh, so I made it a numbers game and that's also, so this is the next learning essentially, it's sales. 
fundraising is sales and sales always has been a numbers game. So if your conversion rate is one out of 10 uh, and the average uh, income per close deal is 100K and you need a million, well, you have to talk to 100, right? So you have to talk to 100. If you need 50 million, well, you have to talk to 300. <laughs> so, you need so, some wealthier clients is what you need. <laughs> yeah, and you have to also, you have to... Um, so what I'm doing now, I'm helping lots of founders with their fundraise. I'm making introductions. I'm asking uh, investors if they want to talk to a certain, I, I, I review decks. I'm giving back, right? And some founders have done the same thing for me. Um, and if you know, if you have that mentality, that also allows you to very rigorously uh, um, ask for help. So I was asking for so many introductions. I was asking clients for introductions. I was asking befriended founders uh, for introductions. I was asking not befriended founders for introductions, right? Like you just, you have to do that. It it's, doesn't feel nice, but you have to do it. You have to build your network and talk and talk and get introduced, get introduced, get introduced, get introduced. Um, and you have to take these calls and you have to take them ASAP, not next week, tomorrow, right? You get introduction, be quick. I had, I have a variety of shortcuts for my fundraise. So I had my, I had keyboard shortcuts for my pitch deck. I had keyboard shortcuts for my data room. Also, again, next slide, I did my homework first. I actually had a data room where all the relevant links that are concerning my, like making it easy for the, so VCs, they give you money, but in the first place, you work with them, right? So it's a work relationship you have with them. So if you make their life easier to get to a yes or a no, that's good. That's, that shows how you're working. So I had a very clean data room where I was like, hey, uh, this is the link to our website, GitHub, YouTube channel, Twitter, um, whatsoever. Then I had a link to a Miro where they could, like a Miro board where they could find our org chart um, and uh, a link to um, uh, to a financial uh, business model um, and, and, and all of that stuff. Everything was linked up and clean and they could always get back to it. And there was even investment thesis and, and the cap table composition and, and everything was in there. It was just a notion side, but but it, it did a lot, and it got a, I got a lot of prop for that, um, and I think that shows how many people are not doing it. If people are giving me compliments for just doing some basic homework, then it also shows me many people simply don't do the basic homework, right? Um, so treat investors like you want to be treated in terms of working with you. Um, oh God, I could I could write a book about it. It's uh, mm -hmm. there's a lot to talk yeah, about. This is massively helpful. Uh, recommendations and, and information for any first time founder specifically out there who may be struggling to raise or is thinking about raising, you know, you, you just rattled off quite a few elements of what is considered basic, you know, among uh, investors and founders who are looking to raise. I think a lot of it boils down to, to preemptively answering the questions that investors have so that they don't have to ask the <clears throat> questions. You already provided the answer. And, and you did that through this, this set of links and data that you provided uh, during this raise. Um, yeah, as, as, we, as we kind of wrap up, um, you know, th this has been absolutely massively helpful. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that we've done uh, in the last 100 episodes is we, uh, we like to ask uh, the podcast guests basically 
um, if you are in uh, like an elevator, right? Like with uh, anyone that you could explain Leafy and uh, the solution that you guys are providing, uh, who would you choose to explain it to and why? You've already talked to 340, you know, independent investment firms, but if there was one entity or one person out there that you didn't get a chance to talk to, who would you want to talk to? Um, I need to Google that person. Yeah, maybe it would be Abigail Johnson, just like um, CEO of uh, Fidelity. And there's probably uh, the person I would sit down with in the elevator, be like, listen. <laughs> and then I would probably <laughs> listen carefully. <laughs> Sit down here right now. <laughs> like, like, and I would be like, and I would be plain simple. You know, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't explain what DeFi does at its core. I would essentially just f throw a value proposition at her and be like, look, you see this financial system being built from the ground up and it's messy, it's complex, it's big. And there's only one middleware you need to continue to start working with it as fast as possible to continue working with it, no matter what happens and to be able to prototype and, 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 and build out whatever you want to build out internally. You just need that one middleware um, and then stop. And like you just spike enough curiosity to, to get a coffee invite after the elevator trip. Yeah, a second date, right? That's that's yeah, the, just, that's the key. Exactly. Can I just get to the second date? What take? What gets I, you there? I, I literally cannot stop thinking about dating through your entire process about talking to VCs. Like, you could take the entire conversation we just had, talk about trying to find the right girl, <laughs> dating quickly, dating a lot, cutting off quickly, making it easy. It's just it never ends. So, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you, you must have a lot of girlfriends, brother. No. <laughs> anyways, anyways. <laughs> All right. Philip, it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, thank you for episode 100, Roll Up Nation, um, DeFi by Design listeners. And Philip, of course, with what you guys are, are, are building. It was an absolute pleasure. We, we look forward to having you on again. Um, and who knows how long of time and where, where you guys will pivot by then. But we are excited for that. Um, and thanks, thanks again. Bro. Thank you so much Cheers. for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. It's always it's so much fun to talk to you guys. And uh, yeah, I wish we would get to talk more often. Um, so maybe we will next year. Like, let's, let's aim for that. Take care. Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.